Welcome to the broadcast of Better Together. I always forget the the name of my podcast. It's a long name. Better Together. Democrats and Republicans who love America. Eventually I get it out. Um, I'm happy I have some listeners out there listening to my ideas. Please listen, discuss, lambast, critique, whatever gets you thinking. If it gets you thinking, if it gets you engaged with politics, if it is refreshing maybe because I often talk about issues on my podcast, this political podcast. Um, which I was inspired to do off of Michael Moore. I'm a big fan of his podcast. I definitely don't always agree with him, but I am super engaged with his content, with his heart, with his, with his, you know, he's one of those good leftists (laughs) that, although at times I find, you know, completely misguided at times, you know, at other times I, you can't help but love him. And I just want him to continue to live. So I hope he continues to work on the weight loss. It's hard. You know, if you're not naturally thin or you have to effort for weight loss, hey, I get it. But if we can all support Michael Moore to continue to lose weight, be, be on the planet a long time, because he's got a lot to offer. And he is a critical thinker and he's a compassionate thinker from working class background in Flint, Michigan. I want him to be alive to see the redemption of Flint. I don't know how that's going to happen. It's depressing. It just seems like there's so much dirty water in both the Democrats and the Republicans with that city. But, um, you know, one can have hope, I guess. But anyway, I want Michael Moore to be around because he does. He gets people thinking. Say what you will. If you're a Republican out there or independent or more conservative or right of center, um, I encourage you to watch all of his movies because there's going to be some parts of the movies that you're going to respond to or engage with because he deliberately crafts his films to make you see his point of view and think about it. You don't have to agree with it, but at least think about it. So I don't want any conservatives out there to be uh, afraid of Michael Moore or think it's indoctrinating. He's not. He really covers both sides. I've seen all of his films. Um, yeah, and I mean, his political stance is very clear. He's very much married to the far left, and I am not of the far left. I am the central left of center, and at times Republican leanings, but mostly left of center, but not far leftist. No. Um, you know, perhaps being far leftist would work in a different country and a different government structure, but it really doesn't work here. Um, that doesn't mean there's no point for the far lefts, and that doesn't mean that they don't have any ideas that aren't worth meriting or trying or talking about, but <clears throat> the radicalism is uh, bothersome and disturbing, and as much as it is for me, I'm looking over to the right and their radicalism, and I'm just not a radical. Um, I'm a realist, which by nature doesn't mean it's very exciting at times because the name of the game is compromise and you have to be able to do that. 
with a bunch of people that don't think like you and find some common ground and continue to progress at the same time. I am a Democrat after all. I'm a registered Democrat. Um, But yeah, so Michael Moore, he's a great recourse. Whatever party you are, just listen to his podcast. It's on Anchor. It's, what is it called? (laughs) Shoot. Names. I don't remember. Just type in his name. That's terrible. <clears throat> the name recall is really like not not doing so great with that. It's affecting my life. Oh well, I don't know. Maybe more omega three fatty acids. Um. Okay, now I'm obsessed. I have to figure out what the name of his podcast is. That's how I am. Like, what the heck is his name? I'm not gonna just talk about him and not quote his own podcast there Silverman also funny um not always as knowledgeable but she makes some good points okay the rumble of course heaven's sakes uh the rumble <clears throat> with Michael Moore that's his podcast it's good uh what are we gonna talk about today we're gonna talk about Ukraine of course eventually I was gonna get around to it <coughs> my thoughts my responses to media on both sides, and of course, uh, my opinions about what often isn't being talked about. So that's what I like to talk about with politics, and I'm always surprised that what I often say is not out there on some channel, some point of view. And that's probably because we're just so polarized compared to when I was younger in my 20s and 90s. Where it wasn't as polarized. I mean, it was because we had Rossboro obviously invent an independent party because it was so polarized. But it was a different kind of polarized. I don't know. Different than now. <clears throat> um, so I guess I'll start off by first referencing Michael Moore's um, Saturday episode of 231 Empire Down. And he talks about, he, he assesses um, the Ukraine situation. Um, and he really, I mean, what stuck out to me was one of these prominent themes that far leftists have a hard time with, um, that peacemakers have a hard time with, that diplomats have a hard time with, that probably psychosociologists have a hard, sociologists, psychologists, um, all of the intellectuals have a hard time with that ironically the conservatives don't seem to have a hard time with and I don't either so in this way I guess I'm more conservative Um, where it is the eternal uh, confrontation of why does it have to take war and physical violence to you know um, liberate countries from oppressive governments you know why is the revolution or revolution or revolution all why is it always necessary to have wars violence battles whatnot physical force to be the bridge to the path to independence and freedom ultimately why a physical force and struggle? Why can't we just talk our way through everything? Why can't we just all be intellectual and sit down very diplomatically at the dinner table and discuss uh, 
trade and government systems and the people that are governed and whatnot and come up with some very, you know, smooth, easygoing, rational, nonviolent way of running the world. And I have the answer for that. Um, Michael's question is, you know, does it always have to take death and bodies and casualties and does it always have to and I, I think this is this is a struggle for a lot of far leftists particularly maybe conservatives but none I've ever met who just really they actually just come to the end of their limits is what I think it is they come to the end of their limits with the language and the diplomacy and they aren't able to reach characters like Putin, Vladimir Putin, um, Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Caligula, Xi Jinping, Kim Jong-un. <clears throat> there just seems to be this obstructive <clears throat> kind of thing that renders these characters null and void from um, peaceful, diplomatic, equitable solutions for the people they govern. Yeah. And Democrats, mostly intellectual far left, mostly get perpetually frustrated by why language isn't enough. <clears throat> Can it be enough? Um, not for those types of personalities. And here's where I hope someday that maybe, or if it isn't already now, and again, psychologists, psychiatrists, please stand up and make yourself be heard, even if it's controversial. Not like you're not used to that. <coughs> now would be the time, to kind of, you know, clarify, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I do understand human nature, and personality type, and that kind of thing, and I'm not a professional in that way, but I'm curious about it, and I, I would like the professionals who are professionals to um, not just continually not talk up about it, because I think it helps when we all have our, you know, two cents in there. About these kinds of personality types that are autocracies, that are autocrats, that um, have a compelling drive to rule and oppress the people they rule and limit their freedoms, to somehow um, dominate over them. <clears throat> you know, all of these autocrats tomorrow could instantly overnight decide, you know, I'm going to be a better autocrat. I'm going to be a better, decent leader. You know, Hitler could have said, you know, he could have woke up one way to say, I'm not, not going to be a mean guy anymore. I'm going to just run my Nazi party um, peacefully and with, you know, my opinions, but no violence. Well, you know, he had that option. You know, you could say the same for any of these leaders <clears throat> who have great a massive power over other people <clears throat> and a lot of autonomy. And really just kind of do whatever they want. And it doesn't matter how it hurts the people they govern. And they don't have a lot of consequences. Except when, what, the good countries, when who are the good countries? The parliaments. The democratic parliament government countries. Um, say, well, we're not going to trade with you if you're going to behave like that. Well, we're not going to host, and you're not going to host Olympic Games ever again since you do all these things. I can't believe China's even still allowed to do this. 
and so many people still check out to watch it. I mean, I haven't watched it at all. Would never. Couldn't pay me. Um, I don't believe any country that oppresses its people the way that the um, communist countries do should have anything to do with hosting an Olympic Games. You have to have a baseline. But no, there's no baseline in the IOC right now. Right now, it's free-for-all. I would like that to change. That could easily change. But, you know, um, yeah, all of these autocrats could wake up one night and say, okay, I'm just going to be a nice person now. I'm a good, good leader. And why do you think that they don't do that? When they could. <coughs> well, um, their systems of government are by nature evil, oppressive, limit the freedom of the masses, don't ensure human rights, and those leaders' gauge of power is how they can control, micromanage, and oppress their people as a reflection of their strength, right? It is very Darth Vader versus... It, it Star Wars applies, let's just be clear. And so... You know, I'm not surprised that Putin started this. I was kind of waiting because there was a lot of drama up over what the fall and the last fall and early winter of the rhetoric had been increasing significantly with China and Russia and all of this drum up to go to war and we saw the nukes being mass produced and whatnot and the drills and the boat you know I mean I follow the news this is not a shocker you know and it was really just who's going to pull the trigger first is it going to be Kim Jong-un is it going to be China or is it going to be Vladimir um, sorry, Xi Jinping, or is it going to be Vladimir? Um, it was going to be one of the three, because they were building each other up on their power and authority. I think the rhetoric has been an all-time most violent rhetoric ever out of Xi Jinping that I've ever heard of. Um, and so it should come as no surprise that Russia invaded Ukraine to try to take the land, the territory. or to throw the weight around and let Ukraine know that they're not going to be part of what NATO and the Western Union. They have applied, Ukraine has applied to become part of the European Union. And, you know, Vladimir wants to be part of that because he realizes if that does happen and if Ukraine gets emancipated and simply is lost, um, that's a threat to communism and his regime same exact scenario is you know not same but really similar themes to Xi Jinping and you know Taiwan also burgeoning democracy doing well supported by the free western world and China you know could very well leave well enough alone but no could leave well enough alone right no, uh, my Taiwan is ours. We will reclaim it, and I'm sure they will. In a coordinated effort with Vladimir, I'm sure they're on the phone at, late at night, scheming and plotting, and Kim Jong-un is, like, in the background. And it's the same kind of theme of territory, p- misuse of power, and unreachable with diplomacy yeah so 
the Gandhi approach does not work with Vladimir Putin, would not work with Hitler, would not work with Xi Jinping, would not work with, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un. Because they don't respect that. Um, it did work with Britain and the imperial, you know, British regime. But that doesn't mean it's going to work with every group. And leftists and far leftists just absolutely can't stand that reality. That words can go so far and then they don't. And there's no, you know... Um, there's no time out. You know how like spanking was considered like the worst thing ever. And so parents are not allowed to spank their kids, not allowed to discipline their kids in those ways. I'm not saying beat. I'm not saying beat within an inch to life. But, um, you know, when that discipline was taken away, what do parents rely on? Bribery, manipulation, timeouts, take away your phone, this kind of thing. Consequences, right? I mean... I don't know that timeouts are going to work with Putin or Kim Jong-un or Xi Jinping. Now, you could do financial consequences, which absolutely is happening and actually should continue to happen. Financial consequences and trade and whatnot. Bankrupting the countries would be great. It makes it for an easier takeover. Um, so financial consequences is a nonviolent way of putting in a consequence or a timeout or take away your phone type of thing. But um, usually parents do that with their children when you can't reach them with language, right? If a parent says, hey, you better stop that behavior. I'm going to count to three. If I get to three, it's a timeout. And if the kid, like, okay, okay, mom, and, you know, reaches it with the language, then there's no timeout and move on, moving on. But these kind of, you know... Uh, autocrats the language is not respected and um, the consequences they have to see and feel financial whatnot. so they will always be the ones to lash out first of course with violence as we knew Putin would I was not sure if it was going to be Xi Jinping make a lunge for Taiwan first, or if it was going to be Putin. And then I kind of figured it would probably be Putin. Yeah. And it is, and it has. And a lot of Ukrainians were warned ahead, and a lot, if you remember the news, didn't believe it. And I remember thinking, biggest mistake ever. I mean, are we all, do we not all read the reports leading up to the war? Oh, no, there's nothing going to happen. Oh, where people aren't worried. Oh, this isn't. I think when you live kind of in the shadow of Russia, that's always a threat. You don't really take it seriously until you actually see the shelling or whatnot happening. But I took it seriously when I could tell that Putin was not going to back down. And I was, and I was glad that American and... Um, our allied nations were saying, get out now, get your butt out of there as much as you, for the ones that could, obviously, you know, and they were like, listen, take it seriously, get it out. There was weeks leading up to the war. And I, it was so frustrating to see the disbelief and read the nonchalance. And I was just like, are you kidding me? <sighs> well, then, you know, they saw what happened and believed it. Right? 
and I am not being insensitive to those who really had no way to get out. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of them, that they had no option. But there were a lot that had a lot of options that didn't leave, that just didn't leave because they didn't believe. Um, when it comes to these violent autocrats, the only thing they care about is their power. And that is it. <laughs> that is all. It's like a cult. But they're like cult leaders. They care about their power, and that's it. And, you know, I watched this Netflix documentary I highly recommend called Fire in Winter. <clears throat> no, Winter winter on Fire. Sorry, I got it backwards. Netflix, Winter on Fire. That chronicles back to the earlier days of the Ukraine resistance. 2014, I believe, and even before that, to kind of show the leading up to it, so they knew, and 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 mostly that movie was about Ukrainians fighting against their own corrupt Ukrainian government that was making deals with Russia and essentially being an extension of Russia. So the resistance was fighting their own country and their own corrupt leaders, and highly worth seeing. So, yeah. Um, It's important to stand up for your independence and to fight for your democracy and literally sometimes fight. Yeah. And you know what? There's a fine line between cowardice and pacifism. Sometimes it's pacifism. Sometimes it's self-righteous cowardice that is cloaked in the language and veil of pacifism. Um, But at times with these types of personalities that have great authority over masses amounts of people, that, by the way, we don't have to continue to allow that to continue to be. (laughs) My view is the New World Order that everybody's been talking about will be the type of um, futuristic world government where there only are parliament democracies. And so when there's a squabble, we indeed all do sit down at the table and we'll hash it out diplomatically. Because then all of the countries that would have the leaders that would have their citizens have a say in their government. Okay, But that's not the case with you know Chinese Communist Party, with Kim Jong-un, with Putin with Iran, with Cuban leaders. These, uh, and maybe even North, no, yeah, North Korea, obviously, and Vietnam. So they kind of speak on behalf of their people. Now, I'm happy to see the resistance coming in from within Russia to demonstrate in their suffering and their, you know, getting beat up too for going against Putin. And that's good that they are doing that. Um... But nonetheless, they are kind of in the situation where they're, you know, they're under their leaders. So it's the whole structure. So a lot of people, okay, a lot of leftists will say, well, I don't understand. Why don't we just assassinate Putin? Why don't we just assassinate Xi Jinping? Why don't we just assassinate Kim Jong-un? Why don't we just... Because, I mean, quite simply... um, You have to dismantle the entire government structure. Just cutting off the head of one of those structures, it's so easy to grow another one right back in because you have all the infrastructure there. So I've heard this a lot from 
I would say pretty educated leftist Democrats, and so it's just mind-boggling. I'm just like, you're, you're honestly wondering why an assassination attempt hasn't been done. By the way, it could be. could be in any moment. It's an option. Because it's not going to do anything but go give an opportunity for Kylo Ren to finish with Darth Vader started. What an ambitious venture. It's going to draw in another person. If you dismantle the entire government structure of a communist government of whatever Putin is, the Tsardom or whatever, and Kim Jong-un's dynasty legacy, you know, then there is nothing there to take over. So that's the reason that assassinations haven't been done. Could they be done? Are you kidding? At any minute. It's not about the assassinations. It's about removing and crippling and getting enough people involved, like in World War II, to dismantle the entire Nazi war machine, a.k.a. to dismantle the entire autocracy war machines. Yeah, so what do I hope to see happen? I hope to see happen a gang up of Putin, Xi Jinping, Kim Jong-un, and all these leaders to just make a mad stash at trying to fight the allies. And then obviously allies will be fully engaged, retaliate. And it will be World War III, yes, and we will win. And it will not be the drama and the trauma of World War II um, because of technology. World War II didn't have technology. World War I did not have technology. They had planes. They didn't have what we have now. Um, we have high technology. There's no way we're going to have the casualties that we would have had in World War II. You got, if you start thinking that, you got to remember, like, yeah, 11 million fallen for sure in World War II. Not going to be for World War III. No. Point of fact, the recent um, Israel-Hamas struggle lasted 11 days. They're ancient foes that could have lasted a lot longer. Yes, there was loss of life on both sides. Astronomically, no. High tech. High tech ensures reduced casualties. Will there be casualties? Yeah. But if there can be casualties to rid all of these autocracies in one big World War III, and then it's over, and Russia is totally liberated and has fully parliament democracy installed, China is taken over by Taiwan and actually their own democracy is spread throughout mainland China and the communist Chinese party re- uplifted and re- uprooted and thrown out and South Korea, an already viable democracy, takes over North Korea. Bye-bye, Kim Jong-un and his dynasty. Um, and so forth, you see the message. Cuba, w- Cuba would not be that hard to turn in that amount of um, opposition. Then, you know, what is what are we left with? We're left with a better world. We're left with a more equitable world. We're left with all parliament democracies running the world. I'm not suggesting they form an American government. But parliament democracies for most of the world work well. And for the most of most of people are, you know, most people feel they have a decent amount of say in their government that are under a parliament. It's a it's a successful model. But autocracies are a failed model. And a lot of this coronavirus, 
you know, was an attempt to do a muscle flex to say, see, we've only lost less than 5,000 people in China because of our strong authoritarian regime, and you guys lost a million in America because of your freedom. And, you know, Europe lost, what, 100, not even, maybe 200,000 because of your freedom. See, we're stronger, we're better. There is definitely some of that that was going on. But, you know, no American would want to be locked up in their home. Doors taped off with armed guards outside the door. Like, it was extreme. As many of the athletes in the Olympics um, now have witnessed firsthand. And the extreme levels of uh, control that the government has, they're all experiencing. They're microdosing communism over there. Yeah. So, you know, I really, unfortunately, you know, I mean, diplomacy with these autocrats is just not going to work. And the sooner leftists, Democrats come to uh, acceptance of that and not confusing cowardice with pacifism. Um, Gandhi wasn't a coward. He was a pacifist, but he had the right off. He had the right audience, and he had, and Britain was unique and different in that way. It's still part of the Western world. It has just, you know, it needed a conscience prick to turn it around. But um, no, this is not the same case with these other leaders. And if leftists often can't stomach the fact that some people actually have to die to create change, you gotta get up out of your diapers, you know, like you have to kind of grow up a little bit. And yes, of course, I want the world that the leftist, far leftists want, where we can all sit at the table and discuss everything and not have to resort to violence. And I believe that will happen, the new world order. But I believe the World War Three has to happen as a precedent for that because we've got a lot of Caligulas and they all have to go. So once they're all gone and we have the new world order, is there going to be any more rising up? Yes. But imagine if there's a new Caligula rising up in the whole world as a parliament democracy or some type of that. We're going to be able to spot that really quickly and snuff it out faster collectively. But right now we have like Russia and China and Kim Jong-un and their nukes and, you know, Iran and their nukes and, you know... um, Ukraine is doing the right thing by fighting for itself, yes, and that encourages and also inspires others to join up to fight with them, which is what I hope will do, will happen. And of course, yes, the financial sanctions are there, and Biden's putting heavy sanctions on Russia as a financial punishment consequence. Um, But, you know, I would like all of these autocrats and their government structures removed. And unfortunately, they're just not willing to give it up, you know, uh, because of a mood change. They're going to have to be, you know, thrown out and their entire government dismantled like the Nazi party. And Hitler, who escaped, some people think he died, I think he escaped, and it was dismantled, right? So doesn't mean there aren't neo Nazis out there, but it's not like it's not like the Third Reich. Okay. So and that took violence, yeah. And a lot more sacrifice. 
And had we got in a lot sooner, the death toll would be a lot less. That was our American lesson of our blunder, right? But not only that, with the high tech and the, the, this such a global commerce, um, things get over quicker, faster. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be this long, drawn-out saga like World War II. So I'm hoping one autocrat will spin off the next, will spin off the next. And when people say, well, what about the nukes? The nukes, Freya. What about the nukes? The nukes. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. My mother heard about the nukes. And she did nuke drills in the 1960s in San Francisco in her little elementary school and hid under her desk. And they would do regular drills and they'd have, what, um, bomb shelters in the 60s. A lot of families would invest who have means in a bomb shelter. So this has been a thing for many, you know, many, many decades. And in the 80s, like my era growing up, I mean, there was constant threat of the Russians and the USSR and oh, the nukes, the nukes. Um, I grew up right out. Well, Vietnam was still going. Um, it was at the more tail end. Um, but, you know, I don't recommend a Vietnam approach because, as we learned from Vietnam, Korea, Afghanistan, when America tries to take on communism itself, it doesn't work. And we lose a bunch of people, we spend a lot of money, and we don't get anything done. So we pretty much can't do that model. We have to only ever fight alongside our allies, fully all in. And then we always win. And then the world gets better, right? I mean, Germany and Japan are our allies as a result of World War II. And they were our former enemies. Like, for all we know, in World War III, China and Russia will be our future allies. But right now, that just seems impossible. Right? Um, but it isn't. So, what do I hope for this? I hope it spurs on more and more and more so we get it all done faster. And then we get this ushering in of the new world order faster. And then we can have the dream of dreams of the far leftists who just want to be able to talk things through everything. Yes. And only be able to, you know, have timeouts and take away phones and call that when there's bad behavior out there. Yeah, that's the dream. But it's not the reality now. And we really question pacifists to make sure it isn't just cowardice. Because a lot of people can scream peace because they're too afraid to fight for the freedoms that they enjoy right now. And that's harsh. And it's 100% true. And it's easy to hide in peace, 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 peace because, God forbid, you get drafted to go to World War III, right? And that's not really peace. That's cowardice, gleaned as peace. It's, it's, a, it's a poor cover, so I don't know. I feel like with Republicans and conservatives, I don't even have to say anything. They they get this. They automatically get this. It's not even a. It's not. It's not confusing to them. They understand this, but my left Democrats just get confused or coward or just aren't owning the cowardice. Um, or own the cowardice and just feel bad about it. And so think, well, what I could do is just help promote peace. Okay, but peace at any price is not worth paying. And there's a reason there's a saying for that, you know? 
if you aren't willing at times to sacrifice and stand up for yourself and your country and bleed, then, you know, hey, science says survival of the fittest. Look how violent science is in terms of the natural world, right? Look at the animals. Everything's violence with science in terms of like life to fight to continue to be able to have the glory to continue to reproduce and there's always some obstacle to overcome and there's a tiger chasing me and oh that thing's going to eat me and this it's very trauma drama science well leftists are supposed to be parties of science well (sighs) and no not everybody can talk no and you know we want to vote and elect and parliaments obviously need to continue to vote in the people that can talk that are good diplomats that do rely on their language not their their um, prowess or their whatever brute strength but at times we need strong leaders so i consider um biden kind of our modern day fdr at sorts other people have been saying that i've been saying that since the beginning I really didn't have too much interest in the... I wanted Kamala to win initially. um, And then now I'm like, "Mm, instincts aren't really there. Um, Maybe someday, but instincts aren't there. Personality. There's just some missing big blunders that shock even me. But she's very talented, and I I think she's going to do a lot of good things with fighting the voter suppression and... You know, she's going to be of good service to our country. That I always knew. But, like, the direction and kind of the the personality thing and the, just the interviews and, you know, why she didn't say right away, you know, oh, thanks for the border. Great idea. Not my forte. I'd rather take on voter suppression. By the way, it's been going on for a long time. I'd rather go that way. What do you think? You know, a little earlier would have been nice. But anyway. And so Biden was my last choice. Um... And I was pleasantly surprised to see how I underestimated him and how difficult his job is and how the leftist, far-left Democrats are going to punish him every single day of his office because Bernie lost, even though technically, according to Michael Moore, Bernie won. Apparently, Bernie had more votes, according to Michael Moore, to win the nomination and did not and I'm sure the far leftists will punish every single day of Joe Biden's, you know, presidency because they are that self-indulgent to um, be that self-focused. And that's also what I don't like, why I will never be a far leftist. It's like, you're not helping anything. He just appointed a Supreme Court justice who's black. Do you think it got any rise in the polls for him? No. Kind of significant. Maybe throw a bone. Maybe give him a good job, you know? Um, So I appreciate if you're a far leftist out there, you're like, yeah. Yeah, he is doing things that are progressive. He is doing things that are part of our agenda. And we're not giving him due credit because we're just sick that Bernie didn't win. And we're just curmudgeons. I would encourage you to stop being a curmudgeon, you know? Really leave America if you really can't deal. Like, go to Canada, find a spouse, live there. Go to Sweden, 
find a spouse, live there. I'm sure though people that, you know, I don't think people are scrutinizing about that. You know, just leave. If you can't be part of the solution, right? Or you won't be unless it's only your candidate. I mean, that's really not a lot of difference than the Trump extremists. So, I think it was a big deal for Biden to nominate a black Supreme Court justice of a competent character. And um, I don't think I saw a ripple effect at all or even a, a, a an ounce of excitement at all in the far leftists. And, you know... You got to celebrate some of the actual things to get done. You know. Um, so I want World War Three with the nukes. <laughs> Does that make me a warmonger? Or think about it. Does it make me a peacemonger? What's my greater agenda? Just to have war for war's sake? I'm not a Bush fan. I hated George Bush and his whole family and their horrible regime and I had to live under it since 15 years old. You know, the Bush family and the Bushes I actually think Trump was a better president than Bush and the Bush family. I mean, people thought Bush initially was more likable than Trump. But if you really think of like overall distraction versus overall contributions, um, Trump was incredibly distasteful but it didn't do the lasting damage that the bush dynasty did um and if you see michael moore's movies you know he has incredible insights on 9-11 and the bin ladens and their business relationship it will get you thinking so that's why i want conservatives to please watch all of michael moore's movies I don't really feel also that Michael Moore is a very much of a propagandist. I think he gets a little suckered in with the squad. I hope he's like giving that a second look. But he is not really a propagandist. He's a thinker, you know, and he's an American of the, he's a boomer, but an American of the old school where just a good person trying to make sure everybody gets their needs met and, you know, that the land of opportunity is not just for a small percentage of the country. So watch his, watch his movies. But um, there's also limits to what we can actually do um, in this country in terms of the government structure because everything is done by the rule of law. It's not like we could wake up today and go, let's just create a parliament. Well, that's not how everything's done by the rule of law of set in motion. Um, that's not a realistic solution. It's an idealistic solution. It's a lot of ones that far leftists like to daydream in, and it's a daydream, and that's it. I mean, when everything is done by the rule of law, you have to work within the structure that you have. You can improve it to a certain degree, um, but you can't reinvent the wheel. And for those far leftists that can't accept that, you need to leave the country because you're going to be perpetually miserable you're not going to be helpful, and you might as well go. You know, take the risk. Stop being cowards. Just leave. There's plenty of other countries, um, and do what you need to do. 
Um, I think Joe Biden is doing a good job. I wish he had more support from his own party because we know he's not going to have support from the Republicans. We know a lot of the reason he doesn't have a lot of support from his own party is because of the far left. And so, you know, if you don't appreciate him appointing a black Supreme Court justice, you know, that's looking kind of a lot like uh, the people that are into voter suppression. Okay. It's important to be realistic about what potential change one can attain in a country. That's got to be your grounding. And it definitely is the grounding of all Central Democrats. Um, I would not count Joe Manchin or Christian Cinema, Christian Cinema, as uh, Central Democrats. I would put them in more of a category of independent or conservatives in drag. Um, I don't think they should be leading anything. Um, I think any person, and that would include AOC, um, AOC, Kristen Cinema, Joe Manchin, these are the three people that decided to Shanghai the party. Oh, did I say this before? To hold hostage. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to be um, using any kind of anti-Asian terms. I've just learned that term growing up, but let's call it, let's just use language that makes sense, not colloquialisms. Growing up, I had a lot of colloquialisms, so it's hard to shake them. <laughs> ah, okay, those three I just mentioned, um, with the you know, with Joe Biden's um, infrastructure bill, decided to hold the party hostage. That's a better way of saying it. Um, and I think that's absolutely a no go, um, regardless of their intentions. So I think any, whether it's a Republican, whether it's a Democrat, whether it's a far leftist, like when you get that power hungry where you're going to, you're going to hold hostage an entire party or entire situation, unless your terms get met, that's not that different than an autocrat. And I think all three of them need to be dismissed and certainly not reelected. And that includes AOC. I know she has a lot of fans. Um, there's some things I like about her, but I have not been pleased with most. Um, and attempting to uh, hold the party hostage. She she came in third on that. Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin kind of had their nose out front there, and she kind of tailed on at the end. But I think it's absolutely warranting of dismissal. And I hope never to witness those types of shenanigans again. <gasps> shenanigans. <sighs> a phrase from the past that Gen Y is like treating as a brand new thing. It's so cute. <laughs> um, positives of war positives of conflict. You know, I don't think Ukraine in its history has ever felt more loved and more supported by the entire world as they do right now. 
Has anyone even talked about that? I don't think they've ever been so embraced, supported, uplifted, stand with Ukraine and all of this, ever. And I don't think a lot of people, including myself, have bothered to really learn that much about their country until now. So the love, the love is flowing from the world to them. When will we have world peace? Others have wondered this. I think New World Order is a better attainment of this. But again, there's always going to be the new Kylo Ren's popping up with unyielding ambition to try to finish what Darth Vader started. And it's just about spotting them early and snuffing them out sooner so they don't grow into these dynasties. So I'm optimistic. And I don't believe I'm a warmonger. I'm a peacemonger, but I'm also not afraid to call a spade a spade. And also know that freedom is won on the backs of those who are willing to sacrifice and fight and often die. And if we can get all the rest of these countries up to par with the parliament structure... Yeah, we can have more world peace because there's going to be more equity and more baseline of human dignity and right. Equity, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. Not autocrats, no room for them. But they're not going to just go, okay, yeah, we're tired of running everything. We'll just step down. I mean, you have to kind of rip it out of their hands, right? What is the closing message? Don't confuse pacifism with cowardice. Understand that the freedoms you enjoy didn't just all happen without anything leading up to that. Become a student of history, particularly military history. And then also be optimistic with technology that the perpetual struggle continues of human nature, but with greater precision, less casualties, and a more swift outcome. Right. And when we all become parliament democracies, guess what? We can dismantle all the nukes. Dismantle. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. It's just... You have to stay optimistic in this time because there's great chances for great optimism if we do this World War III correctly. I think the worst thing in some ways is perpetual stalling and avoiding it. And I think this is confusing maybe to some far leftists or far Democrats who just can't face the realities of war. But then you have to think too on the other side for those of you out there who are like that who just can't stomach it or just can't face it or what. Okay, so if we don't do anything, well, two billion people under, you know, Xi Jinping are still going to be in misery there. Um, You know, the Russians are still going to be hacking their way through everything because there's not a strong economy and they have to try to hack through computers and steal. They're desperate. I mean, 
not fighting, not getting the said, not getting the settled, not getting it out on the table, so to speak, and hashing it out, um, and hacking it out violently, whatever, um, just didn't delay was inevitable and keeps these people under the oppressive regimes. So, you know, at what point also is diplomacy just prolonging um, the persecution of slavery and inhumane justice, um, inhumane lack of justice for the autocrats um, who govern? I'm sorry, for the people under the autocrats that are governed by them. Right? You're just kind of stalling it out, stalling it out, stalling it out. And they're like, two billion Chinese that would really love to have some basic freedoms like go online and not have the government constantly censor everything they're doing or extreme punishments for ridiculous things. Um, yeah, it's, I think the whole world's impressed with the fact they only had lost less than 5,000 people in the pandemic. But, of course, is those numbers really verified? We don't know. We can't rely on them. They lie through the teeth. So, who knows? But I'm sure that it's a lot lower. But no one wants to live like that, you know? And, I mean, I'm sorry, but Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death. I don't think even the million fallen in America, if given a choice and they could come back to life right now, said you could either live in communist China and live like that or live in American free. You might die, though. I mean, you know, and of course, some were deluded and, you know, misguided and died terribly with corona. And I feel for them. And I feel for the ignorant and I feel for those who had the misinformation and were just afraid too, just afraid of the vaccine and just, you know, and also stubborn, ignorant, anti, you know, their civil war legacy, Republican type, all of it, the whole spectrum of those who have refused the vaccine and a lot of them who have died because of it. Um, but if you could honestly say to them, you know, well, you could live like, you know, they do in China. They have a very low death rate. Not a lot of people in America are going to go, yeah, sign me up. I mean, no. I mean, Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death for a reason. And that's kind of a backbone of an American belief system. And people can think whatever they want about that. They can think it's stupid. They can think it's self-destructive. It's also very American to have freedom, to have freedom to opt in or opt out and not be locked up in your house. So, um, I'm a peacemonger, even though I'm advocating for World War III because I want to see the new world order usher in. I believe in it. And I want two billion Chinese liberated so that they can live in their land um, with a say in their government and basic freedoms and human rights and um, Taiwan be their inspiration because it's regional and it's kind of their own version of their democracy just as South Korea is for North Korea and just as Ukraine is for Russia. You know, Ukraine straddled between two worlds. 
um, which I find symbolic, you know, of all the countries, you know, it's Ukraine straddled between two worlds. Um, anyway, this is going to run out of time. Watch the movie, uh, Winter on Fire, Netflix to learn about the Ukraine resistance. Watch everything Michael Moore does, says. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty much a super fan of his. And yeah, it's okay for our leftists to go, shoot, there's just sometimes language doesn't work. Yeah, that doesn't mean you have failed, right? It's just the reality of human nature with certain people and certain personalities like these autocrats. And, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, anytime you want to step up and be a leader and actually, like, verify what I'm saying, I don't know who, who has to invite you. I feel like I have to continually employ, <laughs> implore um, the professionals to... Get up off the couch and, like, make yourself be heard. You're the behavioral professionals out there. You're the licensed behavioral professionals. We need to hear from you. We didn't hear from too many psychiatrists in COVID. We didn't hear from too many psychologists in COVID. Some, not as much as we could have. It seems like Dr. Fauci got all the shine. The medicine took the shine. Well, you know, psych and psychology, psychiatry, call it psych because it's kind of the first letter, few letters of both things. You know, enough's enough now and get your dander up and get yourself out there and be, you know, don't wait to be invited anymore, right? Don't be the redheaded stepchild. Just kind of like take your place already on the heels of my last episode and addressing the homelessness by reinstating the state hospitals as wellness centers much more humane but you know like you know sometimes you just got to get out there and be like we are the behavioral experts this is the profile of an autocrat this is why they can't listen to language like anytime you'd like to just educate my far left party people please because i don't think the conservatives need that clarification they need clarification on a lot of other things finally they've accepted climate change um, but yeah, on that, on the war, they're very clear about that. So better together, Democrats and Republicans who love America. That's why I called this show, um, what it is. Cause I believe in it. It's true. We have to help each other out and see each other's sides. Okay. So if you hated what I said, that's okay. If you're disgusted, that's fine. If you're like, I totally agree with her on that point, but not that point, but definitely this point. Or I don't know what I think now. That's all fine, too. Because you don't have to know. You're on the journey, too, figuring it out. But I pointed you to some good references. Yeah? Um, and I hope you, hope, you, hope you stay engaged. Look two times better ahead. That will come as a result of pending wars. Okay. Peace out, literally.